Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, one theme that keeps getting much interest with MI3's audience is how consumers, or users in this case, are opting out of tracking from Apple's ongoing privacy purge. At a top line, at least 70% are choosing to go dark, and it can be even higher than that. And that's a problem. But what's also fascinating is if the so-called value exchange between company X and person Y is strong enough, opt-in rates can be much higher. Southern Cross Osterio's team have discovered exactly that with their one-stop gateway to digital audio via its now one-year-old listener app. SEA did a hell of a lot of testing before the new iOS app tracking rules kicked in, and it looks like it has paid off. The upshot is that it seems cracking content compels people to be more accepting in giving over their personal information. It's particularly relevant as the smart speaker boom continues. We'll get to the bottom of what's happening there in a few minutes. And there are a few more surprises as traditional radio networks like SCA charge into reimagining broadcast to a much broader digital audio strategy. In fact, weird things seem to be happening. SCA, for example, is finding surprising results for brands and products like Grey Goose Vodka using digital audio campaigns that conventionally, most would assume, has to use a visual medium. Well, that's a little wayward, and we'll figure out why shortly. But for the most part, brands and agencies are still landlocked around how they should buy broadcast versus digital audio, and which agency teams should lead the charge. So with us today on the mics to get under the hood of some of the learnings SCA has discovered is Chief Sales Officer Brian Gallagher and John O'Mandel, Head of Digital Sales and Ops. Welcome, gents. Um, let's get to this tracking stuff first. It's got a lot of interest in the market, and you've got a bit of a story to tell. Um, Jono, many are fretting uh, about the app tracking opt-in rates. SCA and listeners seem to be doing better than many. Um, So how's it looking from your vantage? What's going on? And welcome, Jono. Thanks for having me. Our vantage is looking pretty good, to be honest. Um, It was a very unknown territory and landscape for a little while when it all got uh, announced initially. Um, There was very little information as to what was actually going to happen Um, from Apple and the whole industry was trying to um, self-educate and share as much knowledge as as we possibly could in the beginning. And what we found is that the apps that had the richest content, greatest utility and greatest reason, I suppose, use the words value exchange, which which is becoming a little bit of buzzword uh, in the industry lately, because of its overuse. but It's getting a little bit naff already, isn't it, Jono? <laughs> it is, but the strangest thing is I don't think you can actually get um, a more appropriate term for it or terms being uh, it is an exchange of value between the user or the consumer um, and the content provider um, or utility provider as some apps tend to be. And so I think there's been a great difference between the apps that provide rich audio and visual content um, that um, provide, you know, deep, rich engagement and entertainment content 
um, more so than apps that might be providing some form of daily life utility, um, uh, maybe like paying your bills or something along those lines in terms of whether someone's willing to opt into that app tracking um, uh, from Apple. And I have to give uh, credit to our digital product and technologies team uh, at SCA. Um, they are fantastic and did a lot of research uh, in conjunction with our ad tech, ad ops teams uh, to understand what the best prompt was going to be. And we harnessed that, we optimized it over a number of months and we A-B tested it at great length to make sure that we were providing our audience and our users with the best possible information before they were prompted um, by Apple um, to either allow or not allow um, cross-app tracking. And I, I give full credit to our team for all of the research um, that they went, uh, that they did to make sure that we could actually um, get the highest opt-in possible, as well as the innate nature of our content being advertising funded. We provide audio for free. Um, it's been free for decades now, and Australian consumers are used to that, and they understand that NAF term value exchange um, that they get to listen for free. We provide really good content with advertising. And so it makes sense. And the users understand that. Well, so the upshot there, Jono, is that, you know, there's many in the industry are sort of sitting around a 10 to 10 to 12% opt-in rates. The best ones are sitting at 30%, which, you know, if you flip it, it means that somewhere between 90% or well, 70 and 90% of people are saying, no, thanks, don't track me. Um, where has SCA landed in, in your ratios? Well, while I'm not going to give you the exact number, I can say we're extremely happy. Jono. <laughs> uh, before you go into numbers like that, you've got to appreciate the context of those numbers and figures account for every app in the world. And that can be an app for, like I said before, maybe uh, paying bills or tracking how far you're running or cycling to you know, streaming video content, streaming audio content. And there's a vast difference between the opt-in rates that maybe even you know one of the big four tech companies might get because of trust um, challenges there. And so that's where you have you know the real utility based that aren't advertising based, probably getting far lower um, uh, opt-in rates, bringing that average down. And then you have the rich um, audio visual content apps um, and entertainment apps, which are uh, advertiser-funded, probably getting a much higher opt-in rate across the board. And that's where you see, without going into specifics, we're talking about multiples higher um, than that bottom end of the range. We're not talking about a couple of percentage points, but uh, significantly higher. So if the top end, Jono, if the top end's 30% uh, of what we know, are you sitting there or above? Is that where SCA? We, I, I've taken your point. I'm not going to get specifics, but you're, you're upwards of 30% in your opt-in rates? We certainly are, and we're very happy with that. And Do you top 40% by any chance, Jono? <laughs> I'm not going to go into specifics with you. Right. And the reason for that is that we want people to recognise that it's not the entire audience. It's not to say that whoever opts into your Apple uh, cross-device tracking is representative of the audience you can target with an advertising message. You still have your Android audience 
you still have your desktop audience across uh, all browsers. And as you mentioned in the intro, you also have your smart speaker audience. So iOS and users of iOS 14.5 and above only make up one subset of the total addressable audience. Do you think, though, that as people update to their new um, iOS versions and so forth, that those numbers will hold? Are they getting broader tolerance? Or what do you think the sentiment is in uh, amongst uh, the people? Within our owned and operated apps, and over the last 12 months, we've had Hit, Triple M, um, and Listener as well. We've seen a consistent um, opt-in rate across all of them throughout the entire journey. So we're actually pretty comfortable with where that sits. And we think, again, it's got a lot to do with the education that we did with our audience and the prompts that we scripted and carefully uh, drafted to educate the audience before they're asked to opt in. Um, And so we've seen a very consistent level um, of opt-in rate throughout that time, and we would expect that to continue. Brian Gallagher, I suppose it, it points to this clear link uh, between compelling digital experiences and compelling content. Um, perhaps that's one explanation as to what's going on here. Jono sort of mentioned it. Uh, what's your sense on um, on this? And you are a, you know, a tech magician, we know. That's over-egging the custard right there, mate. Yes. <laughs> Jono used the word utility in relation to some of the services provided by some of the apps that aren't getting the permission because they're seen as doing one thing in and out once a month. With us, we're, we're, we're a kind of a daily service and a kind of heavily localised content play for the most part. And if you think about um, the use case for the content that exists on the listener service, some of it is very, very daily, very local, very perishable content that people want to get in a, in a timely manner. Some of it's just pure play entertainment content or sort of podcasting information or entertainment podcasting content. There's a really broad array of reasons why you might want to um, interact with the content on that service. So I think it's that content utility that's really the key. I I do tend to think that the kind of daily localised, that more personalised to the local Australian audience content is a really powerful motivator. I think the other thing that you've got to realise about this type of content is it comes from sources that people trust. Like we're not we're not Facebook, as it were. We're the we're the local radio station, um, pretty much everywhere you live. <laughs> and I and I think that um, you know decades and decades of you know being a trusted part of the community actually plays for something uh, in that space. So yeah, I think there's a range of reasons for it. And what are the numbers? Just an update again. I know we talked about it maybe a month ago or so, but uh, listeners' numbers um, or your digital audio um, uh, reach now, Brian, it is it is continuing to sort of go crazy, isn't it? Yeah, like we're reaching um, over five million people per month for the per, per month for the minute, and and continually growing. And you know, as um, you know, and the footy season sort of getting underway, and and that all helps as well. Um, so that the the audiences are uh, are continuing to grow you know, added to our broadcast audiences, it's a really nice footprint for us right across the country. And, and I think when you start to look at the, um, obviously a big chunk of that is mobile, um, big chunk of that's desktop, big chunk of that smart speaker. And when you start looking at the growth rates, um, really interesting um, over COVID to see the rapid expansion of the smart speaker listeners. And I think the fact that people are at home and that's where mostly they have their smart speakers when they're in the office, they'll tend to listen in the workday via the desktop app. And then, you know, when they're out and about in mobile, um, that's where we get them um, using the mobile phone. So at this stage of the the history of the development of of audio, 
Um, there are absolutely no excuses um, for not having some form of audio product with you at, at every stage of your day, which I think is um, really probably the thing that's underpinning the growth. It's always on. It's always there. I want to get to a little bit, a little bit more around that one a little bit later. And you've got some interesting contrast, really, on the difference between what you're seeing with digital audio or the migration to digital audio uh, versus the migration to digital video um, and the, the impacts between broadcasters and and, and streamers. But um, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I do want to um, talk a little bit around um, what is what the hell is happening with smart speakers because um, it, f- f- strangely enough, we don't look at this um, enough and, and looking at, at the penetration of it and the consumption. The, uh, how much consumption is going through it. So to, to either of you, to both of you really, um, wh- what is the numbers you're seeing and what's your take on what's happening with smart speakers in the Australian market? They are increasing your share of um, of listening, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say on any given month, smart speaker con- consumption is accounting for between 20 and 30% of the total audience and importantly, total uh, consumption hours as well. Um And what we've seen is a a huge incremental growth um, driven by smart speakers. So it hasn't cannibalized our desktop or our mobile audience. It's been incremental um, and complementary to that. And as Brian was just saying before, it's providing greater opportunity to um, actually listen to the content. Um, It's kind of put the radio back in the home, uh, so to speak, Um, and it means that we, we no longer have to set our alarms from our mobile phones at the moment. We can set them through our smart speakers, which are starting to proliferate throughout the, the household to create the connected home. 20 to 30%, that's that's quite significant. Did you see that coming, both of you, at any stage, or was it was that a surprise? No, we've been following the stats in the US, um, you know, since those early days when we were starting to kind of introduce the Podcast One concept. And before we even launched that, we were talking about skills and smart speaker skills and building out our expertise in that space. And we were projecting, um, and you know, you've got, you've got Google on the one side and Amazon on the other who thinks smart speakers are a good idea. Who are we to argue? Yeah. Who's going to argue (laughs) with that? I mean, (laughs) like, okay, smart speakers are a thing. Um, this is really just a question of rapid, how rapid the distribution was going to be. So, we're absolutely expecting it. Um, and in fact, I mean, you know, when we think about how quickly we've gone and ramped to market with Listener and tried to establish a digital audio brand for ourselves and, you know, be meaningful in that space. I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're envisaging that kind of rapid growth, you want to have something that's a high quality, very serviceable content provider to that, to that platform. So we're there. Not, I didn't give you any notice on this, Jono, but um, is the consumption uh, of your audio, is it different on smart speakers to other devices? Do, are they doing things differently? We're seeing extremely long session times. We're seeing that very much companion medium, which aligns more so with probably desktop listening um, as opposed to mobile listening. Uh, we typically see session durations on smart speakers upwards of two hours, often getting close to three hours. Um, so we probably have the longest sessions out of smart speakers and we see between two and two and a half hours on desktop as well. Whereas with the mobile, because it is quite literally, you know, the mobility of audio um, in there, you typically see sessions of about 40 minutes or so. Um, 
where you have much larger audience on mobile. Um, you have much longer and more engaged session times on desktop and smart speakers, which when you think about the human behavior aspect of that makes perfect sense that you would have them on next to you for that length. So Brian Gallagher, what, is, um, what does this all mean for advertisers and, and, and agencies? Um, maybe there's a bit more going on here across the board, what we've covered so far than, than many assume. Look, I think if we keep going the way we're going, it's going to be one product pile on after another and ultimately it's going to be so bloody confusing that I don't think clients and agencies are going to know what to do about it, to be frank. I mean, we're operating in so many different areas at the moment. The developments are um, extraordinary. Um, all of the players in the radio space are into this. No one's being left behind. Um, <clears throat> and I think um, we're probably at an inflection point where, and I know we are at an inflection point where we have to simplify the proposition really. So, and I think that's really interesting because there's a couple of different things happening concurrently here. Um, one's the rapid deployment of new products in the digital audio space that are encouraging more use cases for consumers, tick. There's a pretty ready uh, uh, kind of um, understanding from everybody and mainly, and I can definitely speak for us when we when we value the signed-in user above everything else. We've made a massive investment in CDP, um, initially because we want to use CDP to grow our audience and then ultimately we want to use CDP to monetize our audience. That's a customer data platform for those that don't know that acronym, correct? My apologies. Yes, it is. And so all of this is happening. Um, and then on the other side, we've got, um, you know, Radio 360, the new GFK hybrid audience measurement system coming through, which measures... Um, you know, in e-diaries, it measures in wearables and it measures um, by basically sucking down every single um, streaming data point that exists in the Australian commercial metro radio market, the depth of that. So when you start to think about all of these things happening, I think the opportunity is to actually start dividing up our story into sort of really three, three simple parts with a postscript. And that we're either making products that are reaching people, we're making products that are engaging people, or we're making products that are targeting people. And the postscript is that for quite a lot of that activity, it's attributable. So I think that's the, ultimately where, where we're heading very, very quickly is just to simply to, 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 to deploy our product so it does the, those four things really, really well and really super easily. Yeah, well, that is sharp and simple because um, you, you're right with with all the different initiatives happening that it can be a bit uh, dizzying out there, isn't it? With with innovation and everyone's and everyone's innovating. Really interested in your um, your point we you made earlier when we were talking about uh, how you know it could be it could be tempting to uh, put a parallel between what's happening with uh, broadcast radio and broadcast television and the migration to digital broadcast television or, or digital television and digital radio. It's not It's not the same, I think you make the point, Brian Gallagher. It's actually quite different. And and so the, the competitive pressures and the, the, the audience uh, dilution, if you like, is not going to be similar to what we've seen in, in audio visual. No, it's not. And I think the broadcast audiences are holding up reasonably well, um, all things considered. But again, um, and we've got some, you know, pretty big global com, uh, players um, in, in the music content space in particular, so Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, they're all vying for, um, you know, time in your, in your head. Mm. But we don't, we don't have the television situation. I mean, um, and it's an interesting parallel probably for not the reasons you're thinking. 
free-to-air television's got, you know, all the streamers coming in to play. They've got BVOD. They've got, you know, apparently audience sizes are going down as more competitors are coming in and um, the fight for space on the box is pretty aggressive. But I've never known a time where um, where it was harder to get airtime. Talk about in-demand. Right. Um, it's interesting how... How 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 very much we must have undervalued ourselves in the past as television operators um, to think that our audiences are such uh, so small by comparison to what they used to be, and we can write ten times more money out of it. Right. <laughs> you know, and it be, and and the only reason that's possible is because it still works. Hmm. So I think um, I think it's an interesting landscape ahead of us. I mean, um, you got a landscape where where television's in demand and working really well as a platform. You've got an, uh, a platform there that's innovating, um, you know, what they're going to do with the BVOD marketplace, I think is really super interesting and, and they're carrying on, um, you know, really you know, high growth commerce and they're doing it very, very well. So if you then take the audio space, we're expanding our audience base, we're using new platforms to actually drive audience growth, not to sort of arrest audience decline. And I think that's the big distinction. All of our new audiences are very, very, very measurable in a very different kind of way. Mm. The beauty of the audio story going forward is that we're going to be able to demonstrate utility at all times of day and um, very, very high reach, you know, right, right across the marketplace. Right. I actually think there's a really great story in TV and radio combined as a, as a, as, as, as a reach platform. Um, you know, the, the reach levels that you can get in combination are extraordinary. And then the targetability of both platforms in concert is really you know, quite wicked. And um, now that we're moving into a market where the, the cookie goes away, I think it's a really interesting time for us, for, for, for all the traditional media operators in this market, because mm. we're, we're measured, we're regulated, we're fair, we're open, and we're growing. Mm. You know, when you talk about brand safe environments and target, you want to reach, you want to target, you want to engage, pretty much all these traditional platforms are in that space now. And they're all offering enhanced audience measurement tools. And I reckon, you know, within the next five years, it'll all be automated in relation to how you buy them. Really exciting opportunities are out there. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, if you think back to, you know, even five years ago and what I, the, the, the narrative in the market five years ago, let alone 10, was that, you know, people like you, Brian and Jono, um, would no longer be sitting uh, at your seats doing what you do because it was all over and um, the bounce back, well, the fight back um, is, is being uh, fairly strong. Jono, I just want to, um, I just want to touch on uh, some of the advertising formats that are going on in audio because there's some, there's some surprising things that are, you've, you're testing, trialing, experimenting with, which, um, as I mentioned in the in the setup, was um, is, it sometimes should be uh, sort of left to uh, an audio visual medium, um, but some brands are trying some new stuff. Give us a Quickly give us a couple of examples of some of that sort of uh, experimentation that, that you're seeing that seems to be working. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen a couple of brands uh, recently do some amazing things um, in some uh, world-first and Australian-first, media-first um, from a technology standpoint, um, particularly in the dynamic audio space. Uh, that's something that seems to be uh, grabbing a lot of attention within the agencies um, and we actually uh, put some an investment in and acquired a stake in a dynamic audio ad tech company to help us facilitate this um, with some of our clients where we can do custom data feeds um, and custom executions 
Um, an example of what I'm talking about there is we worked with a bank at the end of last year to create a um, vaccination awareness program um, where they wanted to get a message out that uh, updated in real time with dynamic audio to change the script based on the vaccination rates in that city or in that state on any given day um, in at towards the end of last year. So um, how close were we getting to opening up? Um, that was a really amazing campaign, which we were able to do through um, a custom feed um, that at uh, told our ad tech platform what the vaccination rates were in each um, different territory. Um, we've also worked with a, a very large brand um, at the end of last year that was doing a countdown towards Christmas where we're able to, again, dynamically change uh, the script in real time based on the exact time of day. Um, and we've also been working with uh, some companies that are probably not necessarily uh top of mind when it comes to audio. Uh, we've been speaking to a, a, some a beauty company and we've just uh, done a case study with a beauty company recently where they saw amazing results where they have historically considered the need for a visual medium to get their message across. And through the use of technology, through the use of creative strategy, we've been able to really demonstrate the power of audio and creating uh, the vision within someone's imagination and capturing that to drive website traffic, drive uh, sales through their websites and foot traffic as well. And we measured all of that um, on that campaign, which was really amazing. That was targeting sort of well-being-minded millennials like Brian Gallagher, was it? It certainly was. Beauty is in the ear of the beholder, Paul. Great comeback. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, we digressed, Jono. We took you off your 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 train of thought. Uh, but we've seen some amazing creative strategies, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, entirely based on the technology, although that is uh, the new opportunity right now. Um, and we're seeing some great examples um, out of our team uh, in the studio with 3D audio um, where we're able to create this surround sound experience within your own head or headphones. Um, uh, an example of that was, um, you know, a 3D experience of being in a bar and creating um, a martini where you can actually hear the shaker behind your head even though you've just got a set of headphones on. Um, and, and we're proving that that actually drives results um, on top of that. So we're not just using the tech for tech's sake, but we're actually providing the attribution and the research studies to these clients at the end of it, demonstrating the uplift in recall, demonstrating the uplift in spend in store, the foot traffic, the website traffic and conversions, whatever the case may be. Well, gosh, it might, you might even have a bit of marketing science in there around, you know, building memory structures and mental availability, uh, gents, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, interesting Interesting that some of the tech tweaks can do that. Brian, what is this um, – where, where's the market understanding in all this? Um, are they getting what digital audio is is really about? And um, and let me throw a secondary question in there, which is um, Jono talked about a bit about dynamic um, creative insertion and so forth. Where's the programmatic game at? Is it is, is programmatic in terms of your digital audio – rocking or is it is it uh, real people selling you know stuff to real people that's still holding out yeah it's real people selling stuff to real people um you know two out of every three dollars that we're earning in the digital audio space is um you know is is direct mm. insertion order 
like it's not programmatic. One dollar, one dollar is programmatic. Um, the programmatic dollars aren't growing at the rate of the direct IO dollars. Well, that's fascinating in its own right. Yeah, and I'm not sure whether that's a temporary um, situation. Uh, I think the more that um, digital audio scales as a platform, I think that's somewhat temporary. But we've seen that um, programmatic impact right across all the platforms. It's not just a, a, an audio um, situation. So. John O promises he'll tell me exactly all the reasons why that is because um, at the moment I'm, I'm not quite not quite getting it. But we're getting our massive growth in revenue out of a digital a digital insertion orders or direct, sorry direct insertion orders. So where's it at in relation to market understanding? Work to be done. Um, lots of work to be done. Um, mm. You know, when you think about audio in general, radio and digital audio's share of total marketing pie, I think it can only go up. I think if you um, take the amount of high-end kind of integrated briefs that we get that incorporate these um, products that we've been developing, um, highly effective products that we've been developing, um, the advertisers using those products are in the minority, not in the majority. Um, so we're at the early stage of the curve. Revenue is growing um, and will grow, you know, somewhere between, you know, 35, 45% per annum for the next couple of years in this space. Right. Our share of total market, therefore, must be going up. Yes, it is. The size of the pie is increasing. Yes, it is. And there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, for every advertiser that we have demonstrated the power of a digital audio campaign to sort of move the needle for them, uh, there are many more advertisers yet to experience that. So, yeah, we've got a lot to do. We've got a lot to do. It's early days. But exciting because we're not selling just spots, you know. We're, we're, we're selling solutions that are, have a lot more impact. Jono, you've got some thoughts on programmatic as well, right? Yeah, I think it's important to note that we take an agnostic approach uh, to direct versus programmatic buying. Um, we're very happy to work uh, with either team and our digital sales team accommodates both and work with both the programmatic traders and non-programmatic traders. And we have some clients that will do uh, direct and programmatic even within the same campaign, depending on the strategies and targeting requirements. Um, and we're very happy uh, to make sure that no matter what, it's actually just going to drive the best result for the client. The range in digital audio, what's your revenue range? What's the market revenue range, Brian? Have you got a, you've got a sense on that? Well, you will have is whether you're going to tell me. Yeah, I know. I mean, this year the market, I think this calendar year, uh, the market's going to be sort of circa or north of 150 mil. Um, when I talk about the market, I think it includes Spotify, of course, It's because they're selling digital audio products and, and, and other players. Um, so I think that's quite healthy. I think that's, um, you know, a solid 35% up on what it was last year, notwithstanding, you know, another round of COVID and all the rest of it. So it's, you know, not too many getting that kind of growth. And then I think the following year um, we'll have that kind of growth again and possibly more. So you're well, you're getting over two hundred million dollars, cracking two hundred. Yep. Yeah, and I and I mentioned that to you when we spoke a year ago that that was kind of a number. Who's buying it, Brian? So you know, this is on this is the final question to both of you because we'll we'll wrap this up. But in terms of that, let's say let's go to two hundred mil for next year because it sounds good. It's a big round number. Um, so if we project to that two hundred, who is buying this? Is it those conventional agency broadcast radio teams? Is it digital buyers, mix of both probably, but where's it headed and who do you think should be buying this? Are you an advertiser who wants to buy reach? Are you an advertiser that's after target audiences of specific types? Are you an advertiser that wants high engagement platforms in your mix? Most advertisers want a little bit of all of that. 
And so there aren't really any advertisers I can think of who should discount themselves from, from being in the space. Um, it's completely scalable from, you know, wrapping you, you, your message around a, a small geographically located audience or a small demographically um, uh, sized audience uh, up to the whole of Australia. So at the end of the day, um, it's a completely scalable platform and it's totally accountable. So the answer to the question about who ought to advertise, I mean, if you're going to advertise, anybody should be. Anyone and everybody. Who's actually buying it then? Well, right now I would say out of the top 100 advertisers, there's only a handful um, that aren't in terms of um, the big brands. Um, you know, if you look at the big brand ranking of the top 10, all of those would be in um, and then you get the odd one that that, that isn't um, in the balance of the of the top advertisers. And in terms of agency teams, Brian, which which agency teams? Is the digital teams, the broadcaster, who's who's actually buying it from the agency side and, and is one side getting it more than the other or are they sort of even Stephen? Uh, look, I think the, 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 the digital teams certainly have a, a less of a gap to close in terms of their understanding of the capability. So, yeah, it's a little easier uh, for Jono and his team to, to get in and have that conversation and to get outcome. Um, for Nikki Rook's team um, in the national radio sales space, um, you know, they are dealing mainly with the, the trading floors that are buying TV, radio, et cetera. Um, their hit rate is probably uh, a little bit lower um, because the brief on the buying floor is I'm buying radio, I'm buying te television. And if you're buying television, you're buying BVOD. They're not yet at the point that if you're buying radio, you're definitely buying digital audio. And I, but I think that I think that changes over the next sort of twelve to eighteen months. You you see that change. That's coming. Ultimately, we're getting to a point where I don't want a team that's digital and and radio. Um, and I and 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 we'll get to a point where the expertise lives across the floor, um, shorter sooner rather than later. Um, I wonder, uh, you know, and I think I think that's going to be the thing that the agencies will probably come to grip with grips with as well is that you know they need because and and I, and I, just to be practical about it, I think it's it's video that will make this real. Will will drive the will drive the fusion, if you like. To drive the fusion, I mean, and that's one of the reasons I'm really happy with what um, you know the free TV players are doing with the BVOD space because you know they're bringing it together in a meaningful way. Um, they should be planned together in a meaningful way. They get bought together in a meaningful way and the same can happen with us. It makes all common sense to me. Final question without notice to both of you and we'll wrap this up is um, key points for the next 12 months, key watchouts um, or uh, intriguing points for, for both of you. What's, what's top of your radar that when you wake up you get excited or, or, or cringe? Um, attribution, first-party data, making sure that you can get your house in order. Everyone's in a very um, admin and organisational space at the moment um, when it comes to, you know, upfront measurement, attribution of your campaigns, targeting your campaigns. That's kind of across the board um, that everyone's going to be focusing on over the next 12 months. How do we make sure that uh, digital media as a whole can continue to deliver on all the promises it's made over the last, you know, 20 odd years. Um, we're going to see some form of uh, identity solution come about or multiple different identity solutions come about. Or crises. Or crises. I think we're, we're definitely going to see a few more crises uh, before we see um, the solutions. Uh, but we are going to see uh, the industry uh, uh, get together and, and find solutions to those um, and work on them uh, collaboratively. 
Um, and from a digital audio standpoint, I think we're going to see uh, just brands continue to uh, get more involved in digital audio. I think uh, I'll in in my impromptu response to this, I'll try and add something from before um, where audio can play an additional role in, say, the the digital only space. Um, people will start to look at it as complementary to your really bottom end of the funnel uh, performance campaigns. Um, looking at A-B testing, say, your search or your social campaign, how does adding a layer of audio impact the results there? Because every test that we've ever done has proven that you'll get much better conversion rates and lower CPAs if the user has been exposed to an audio ad prior um, to that, say, search or social ad. And the same can then apply with uh, display. And that's how you'll start to see some significant growth out of the digital side um, of the planning and the programmatic side um, using digital audio as a complementary um, medium to the performance campaigns. Well, Brian Gallagher, I think the non-Gen X dude sort of shaped up all right with his answer. How, how are you going to go? What's uh, the next 12 months for you? Yeah, so two things. One is to Jono's point, I mean, or to your point about, you know, if we have some kind of, um, you know, cookie-less disaster on our hands, there's only one place you should be putting your money and that's into sort of audited platforms where, you know, you've got trust and brand safety. So that ticks our box and the television box. So, you know, what else, you know, we can make it, we can make it safe for marketers. So that's, that's one thing. Um, there is always a safe harbour. Second thing that I wanted to just say is that I've got, um, and John will laugh when um, I say this, I'm absolutely obsessed with, um, as I keep saying, dashboarding our business, like uh, making a significant improvement to the, to the UX between ourselves and our customers and um, utilising our new digital audience deployment to actually open up our SME base in a major way. So getting that delivered is my obsession for the next 12 months. Well, uh, John Mundell and uh, Brian Dashboard-Gallagher, great to talk. I got a, a good update on uh, on where it's all at and, you know, some, some market education by the sounds that's still to happen. Fascinating, the programmatic thing. I, we'll, we'll watch that one um, with great interest. Um, so for now, um, stay safe and I'm sure we'll loop back around for another update. Um, thanks, gents. Thanks very much. Thank you. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.